0: As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Get the game is over! And Carolina has won the game! Finley to throw. Over the middle, intercepted, Wolfuck again! Wolfuck the other way! At the 30, the 40, Wolfuck to midfield! Miles Wolfuck with the pick! The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory! Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' right. Williams gonna throw. One-on-one, Davis! Snap. spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It it's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42 yard field goal by freshman Cutter Barr. Good gosh,
1: dirty! This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, we are joined by one of the ACC's top writers, a guy from ESPN.com. We've had him on before, but it was a long, long time ago. We are extremely excited to catch up with David Hale of ESPN.com. He stopped by with us earlier this week, and we had to ask him a, a couple of questions. And the first thing we had to ask him was about Sam Howell. Uh, he Of course, he was the one that ended up announcing that Sam Howe would be playing in the bowl game, and we wanted to first know uh, how all of that went down and and what the situation is with Howe at this point. This
0: was just sort of me kicking the tires, and and I think it just so happened to coincide with Sam actually making the decision right around the same time. I, look, I think that the biggest thing for him, there's probably I think there's really two things at work. Number one, he was out there last year in the Orange Bowl in a game where most of the talent around him all season wasn't playing. And I'm guessing there's some little bit of resonance of that, of like, you know, I don't want to do that with my guys. I want to finish the season that I started with them. And I think that's great. Um, the other side of it is, is, is I think, you know, if you, if you need a perfect example of how getting out on the field and playing football games can help you reach the next level, look at Kenny Pickett this year. I mean, that guy was, probably a fourth or fifth rounder. I think if he had left school last year and he strongly considered it and he came back and played and he's going to continue to play, he's going to play in Pittsburgh game too. To me, it's, if you've got, if you believe in yourself and you think you can put up some numbers, man, go out on the field and do it because every little bit of film helps. And I think I've, I've sort of scratched my head all year about why folks seem to think that Sam Howell is not a first round pick anymore. Uh, I'm an Eagles fan. They desperately need a quarterback I would be thrilled if Sam Howe was that quarterback. I'm not sure what everybody else is seeing exactly, but I think it certainly can't hurt to have a stage to yourself. And, and look, is the Dukes-Mayo Bowl between a couple of six and six teams the biggest stage in the world? No. But he will have uh, a chance to play on national TV without a bunch of other games going on at the same time and give people a chance to see what Sam Howe can do if they maybe have sort of tuned out since the opener against Virginia Tech.
1: Yeah, which I think, uh, you know, there there are some people probably that have, and I think they're wrong for that. You know, look at the you, you look at the year that he had and, you know, sort of compare it to some of the other quarterbacks in the ACC because this was a phenomenal year for quarterback play in the ACC. I feel like a lot of people, you know, of course, have rightfully focused on Kenny Pickett. They've looked at how good of a year Sam Hartman had, although it didn't finish the way that he probably wanted it to. But Sam Howell's had a, a a really good season under the radar. the 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 passing numbers aren't there from the previous two seasons, but it, th- these people are they, especially nationally, they are sleeping on how good of a year this has been for Sam Howell. Are you with me on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, this is sort of like you know when you draft a quarterback or or look at a quarterback or look at any player really, and you say, okay, he's got this this skill set and then you put him in a position where that skill set is being negated and they fail or they struggle, that's critical. That's something you should criticize. What Sam Howell has done is completely change his game to fit what he has to do to make this offense work. And for some reason, people think that's a bad thing. I mean, his total yardage numbers are going to be right on par with where they were last year. He is a decent bowl game away from throwing for more than 3,000 yards again. He has been really, really good. He's just not doing it by the same blueprint he did it the first couple of years. And that's by necessity, not because he suddenly forgot how to throw a football. It makes no sense that people are are viewing him through that prism. I look at it and I say, man, this guy lost his two best receivers, his two best running backs, is playing behind an O-line that I think has largely underperformed this year. And he found a way to still put up Serious numbers, they just don't look the same on the stat sheet as they did last year.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a different look for sure, but I think he has to be commended. And I think NFL scouts probably should look at him and, and, and see that this is a guy that adjusted the way that he plays. And I mean, look, he, he did some of it in high school, but I mean, it, nobody expected what they've seen from him this year. He adjusted the way that he played for the success of his team. You know, when you look at him, you said that you kind of look at him and, and, and see him as a guy that you love the Eagles to have. I think the biggest question that a lot of people want to know right now, and I don't know if from talking to some of your sources yesterday, if, if they gave you a feel of this, is there any chance you think that Sam is coming back for a senior season?
0: Um I would be reluctant to say one way or the other at this point. My bet if I was wagering money would be that he would still go. I think there's I'm just sort of reading the tea leaves and knowing a little bit about his personality and approach is I think uh I don't want to say ego is 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 at the heart of this. It's more sort of competitive drive of like look, I'm gonna, I, I don't think he has any concerns about betting on himself. And I think it's just a matter of where that wager is best placed. So if he thinks that he can effectively do a Kenny Pickett type of thing where he's getting uh, draft feedback that says he's a second or third rounder, and if he comes back for 2022, he can be the first pick in the draft, I think he wouldn't mind doing that because I think he believes that he can. On the flip side, I have no doubt in my mind, wherever people think his draft stock is today He's going to go to the combine and wow people. He's going to meet with scouts and the NFL executives and wow them. This dude is smart as hell. He's very as we've seen, very athletic. He eats, sleeps and breathes football. He is going to kill it getting up on a on the whiteboard and drawing up plays. I don't doubt that his draft stock if he decides to go is only going to rise between now and act, and the actual draft day. So I think a lot of it comes down to where, what sort of the feedback is going, is from the NFL on where he's at and how much ground he thinks he can make up. Because, again, I, I tend to think, A, this is a very weak quarterback draft class. And if you look at the guys that he's sort of in the mix against, I mean, he's, to me, I, I don't, I, and this is not a, a, a discredit to Matt Corral, but I don't know what skill Matt Corral has that Sam Howell doesn't have. Um, the frame, the athleticism, the arm talent, all of that stuff I would give Howell, probably a slight edge, if not a significant one. Um, or you compare him to Malik Willis, which, I, you know, what's the level of competition we've seen with Malik Willis? I, I don't know. Um, and I love Kenny Pickett, but we're also talking about Kenny Pickett as a guy who's been in the system for five years and, and playing at this level for five years now, and, and that comes with some advantages. And he certainly had some talent around him in a guy like Jordan Addison and, and Lucas Crawl a tight end. I mean, he, he just had more surrounding talent. Again, not a knock on any of those guys, but it feels like a six and six record for North Carolina is what's being held against Sam Howe right now. And to me, he's the only reason that they probably weren't, you know, two and 10. So I tend to think when we the further we get away from the actual season, the more the perception of Sam, Howe will improve among NFL folks. If that's the bet he's willing to make, I think he'll be fine. And I think he should go. But if the feedback is, look, you got, you did, we didn't like this, 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 and this from you this year, and you're probably a third rounder, and that's probably not going to change. I see no reason why you wouldn't want to come back and prove them wrong because Sam Howell is definitely the type of guy who doesn't mind proving people wrong.
1: Well, you talked about the fact that this was a six and six fo- six and six football team, and you know Sam Howell was probably one of the main reasons that they uh, didn't miss a bowl game this year. I'm 100 percent with you on that. What was the reason? The main reason behind why Carolina finished the season six and six because the expectations were so high coming in, but uh, they they just, especially on the road, couldn't seem to get it done.
0: I think you can. There's it's, that's a lot to unpack because there's probably not one answer. Um, I I look at the offensive line as sort of a good starting point, and you watched how much they struggled at times. And that's sort of a, one of those big sources of frustration if you're a Carolina fan, because it's a group that's been together for a while, a veteran group that you thought, I mean, heck, even if they played as they did last year, I think this is a team that probably wins another game or two. Um, it's, so that's frustrating, and, I, and it's a little bit of a head-scratcher. The defense is really frustrating because there's talent and veteran experience, and I think that you didn't really see it necessarily last year, but you could see – foundation being built and you'd say all right they're going to take a step forward i do sort of take away a little bit and say as you noted at the top here the quarterback playing this league was insane this year and i think a lot of people are angry about you know, a lot of fans not just carolina are angry about how their defense performed and i talked to a coach earlier uh this month who was like man i i, I th- this was the big 12 circa 2008 in the acc this year i mean there was not an easy uh quarterback that you went up against so i I wonder if some of the defensive numbers are a little bit out of whack based on what they might have been but it's still this was an underperformance from the defense this year for for how it certainly was a problem that they didn't have another receiver besides Josh Downs that really consistently stepped up and and that was the beauty of last year is there was always a plan b and a plan c on on any given you know progression And, and this year there really wasn't there was at times but there wasn't a guy consistently uh and that was from week one against virginia tech where it was obvious how big of a problem that was all the way through to the end so all of those things i think are things that need to be addressed and considered as you look forward to 2022 but the biggest takeaway, which is the most nebulous one, is this is two straight years of this, right? I mean, just head-scratching losses and games that, that for whatever knock you want to make on, on how units perform, Carolina was clearly the more talented team, and get destroyed by Georgia Tech, get destroyed by Florida State, that makes no sense. And so I think if you're Mac Brown, you've got to take a step back and not just look at it as well. This guy didn't perform, or this unit wasn't up to expectations, and say why is this? Why does this keep happening? What is it about our preparation and our motivation and our focus in games like this where we are definitively the better team? We not only lose, but lose pretty ugly in the process. That is a question that I wish I had the answer to, and I'm guessing Mac Brown does too.
1: I'm wishing he had the answer to that as well. I'm going to be honest with you. I think the, the the most frustrating part of it is the slow starts is something they've got to get figured out on the road. That has popped up over the last 2 years as you mentioned and this year um especially in a lot of those games early in the year, Carolina just could not get out of their way, uh their own way early on in the games. Talking to David Hale, uh ACC writer for ESPN. Um you know, so let's you know talk about 2022 just really quickly here. You know, we've talked about it here on the podcast. I think a lot of people feel like the pressure is kind of going to be off Mac Brown and, and his staff this coming season, uh, based on what they saw this past off season. But I think there's going to be a lot, possibly even more. Uh, on him and the staff going into year four, if they want to try to get to where they sort of set their goals, you know, over the past off season and 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 even a little bit towards the end of last year, what do you think about year four for Mac Brown? How much pressure does him and and, and this staff have going into uh, the 2022 season?
0: Yeah, I, I, it's funny because I think we typically use the terms pressure and expectations sort of interchangeably because they tend to mirror each other a good bit. If you have uh, an expectation of 10 win seasons, then the pressure is, is probably higher to get there. Um, this is sort of one of those rare instances in which I, I would say they don't necessarily mirror each other because I, I do think the expectations are going to be lower. And I think Mac Brown has kind of aimed for that. He's a little bit of work in the refs this year where he has kind of jabbed at the media multiple times about saying, Why did you overrate us so bad? And, and with Mac, it's always sort of a little bit of a wink and a nod. But I think there was something too like, Hey, let's let's not do this again this offseason. Why don't you calm the waters and, and set the bar low? Um, but the pressure is high because this is you know not this is no longer like well Max building to something and and the last two years it really certainly felt like you could see the progression and was building to something. But it was still uh, a, a team in development. The development, the next step on that path didn't happen this year, and so now you're course correcting. And when you start course correcting. That's when the pressure comes up to say, "Well, this isn't just you know we we overestimated you. This is a question of whether this coaching staff can fix the problems that that cropped up over the past year that that, that made it so that we couldn't reach these expectations. It, it becomes a spotlight focused exactly on the coaching staff. So, I I tend to think this is a very good coaching staff still, and I tend to think that that in some ways Mac is very right that we probably overlooked. Uh, some potential red flags because there was Sam Howe, because there was Tony Grimes, because there was so much veteran talent coming back on the defense and the O-line. And so I think maybe we'll be more cautious about this this year. But there's no excuses anymore. It's to, This is going to be a put-up-or-shut-up year. And and does that mean winning the Coastal? Maybe. I think it certainly means finishing better than 6-6, six and six, though.
1: Last thing here, David, uh, one of the things that helps this uh, group going forward into 2022 is that, look, in a season throughout all of college football, but especially in the ACC and even in the Coastal Division, there have been a lot of changes on a lot of these coaching staffs, including uh, you know th- three different head coaches or four different head coaches uh, moves uh, for the Coastal teams and carolina is the one that's kind of stayed put along with pittsburgh how much do you think that helps this group going into that pressure pack 2022 season
0: you know stability is i think a very important thing Uh, but it's only important if that stability is is made up of people who are getting the job done right i mean stability it's like Hey, you know, if uh, if you bring back your whole O line, but your O line stock, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. So I, I I do tend to think that that stability in this case is a good thing because we are clearly looking at um, I think something of a of a rebuild situation at both the Virginia schools. Um, Duke is mired in a bad place, and I think it's going to take a while to to build back. Um, Pittsburgh's losing Kenny Pickett, which you're not losing your head coach but boy, it's pretty close when you're losing Kenny Pickett. Um, so to me, the, the, the league, the coastal, we always say it's wide open next year. It is wide open. And I would imagine that uh, if I am projecting ahead, we will all be riding the Miami bandwagon to start the season because that's exactly what Miami does. They win every off season. Uh, and Tyler Van Dyke is the real deal. And, and they're making some splash moves clearly, but I also have seen this movie play out with Miami before, so I am not going to be the first one getting on that bandwagon. So, look, I agree. I think there's, again, there's a lot sort of in flux right now, but there's also a lot that North Carolina should be very enthusiastic about for next season, Um, whether it is a guy like Tony Grimes coming back and that guy wants to win as badly as anybody to some of that other. I mean, the recruits, the top recruits that Mac Brown has brought in we're really just starting to scratch the surface with them. So I think that it's fair to say they've got a year under their belt and they've seen some of the highs and lows. They'll be better next year. Uh, you know, one of the reasons Sam Howell was able to run the way he was this year is cuz even if he leaves, they've got some quarterback performers there that that could be very good. There's a lot to like, you, Carolina. I guess is what I'm saying, but it's the coastal. And if you think you know what's going on in the coastal, um, I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you because you have no clue. It will surprise you.
1: It's honestly crazier than most of my relationships with women. So yes, it's very very confusing. But uh, was it something that's not confusing? If you want to go and get the best ACC coverage, uh, make sure you go and head over, follow David on the Twitter machine. It's at uh, a-, a-, a David Hale. Join right.
0: Yes, yes. Okay. It's the, the, one of those things that I thought was very funny at the time, and then you see it like in a very official thing, like according to uh, ESPN's at a David Hale joint, and then you think, oh, man, I've really ruined my credibility with this. So anyway, I, I didn't expect to have credibility at any point anyway, so it's fine.
1: Well, you know, we, we hope that bringing you on the podcast will help you uh, with that journey <laughs> to credibility. So, uh, but hey, David, thanks for resume, stopping baby. by. <laughs> thanks for stopping by with us, man. We uh, greatly appreciate it. You guys are, are doing a fantastic job over there at ESPN.com. Uh, love seeing all your stuff up there. And by the way, do love the Wilford Brimley picture that you have uh, as your profile picture. That uh, makes me laugh every single him time. Some <laughs> he does, man. He does. So, uh, hey, thanks for stopping by with us, man. And uh, you take care. All right, man.
0: All right, take care. All right.
2: Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: All right, so we want to thank David Hale for stopping by with us. Uh, really want to shout out uh, my normal co-host on the show. You guys know him, Josh Marlowe. Uh, he was the guy that hooked this up for us. Uh, he... Uh, And his show over at WFNZ have David on uh, rather often, and he was able to set that up for us. So we greatly appreciate him for doing that. Um, And we greatly appreciate David for stopping by. Uh, Some really great information there on Sam. Uh, Also, some really great information... Uh, for you guys, uh, when it comes to next season for the Tar Heels, everything like that, and look at the ACC he does a fantastic job with that every single week. Great follow on social media would definitely suggest that you guys check them out. So, uh, hey, look, guys, uh, you know one one of the things that's coming up here this week that we're getting you ready for, uh, you know, we we've had our focus on the bowl game, but now our focus turns to the recruiting trail side of things. This weekend, a huge weekend for Tar Heel football recruiting. It is an official visit weekend, the final of the 2022 early signing class. So make sure that you guys keep an eye out on the website. Uh, Carolina with some uh, you know big-time targets that are currently still on the board. There are a couple of guys that are committed that Carolina is still looking at. And earlier today, a big name also hit the board uh, once again for the Tar Heels, a guy that you guys will probably remember from earlier this summer in five-star cornerback Daylon Everett. He is now back uh, uncommitted. He is still planning, apparently, to commit before uh, the early signing period comes to a conclusion, though. Uh, It is unclear as to whether or not Carolina is in the hunt for him, but uh, we'll have you covered on all of that and all the other guys that Carolina has already landed in the class as they get ready to sign their letters of intent um, we'll have all of that for you here over the next couple of days on the blog.com. Of course, December 15th, Wednesday, is going to be the first day of the signing period. That's when most of the guys are going to end up signing. So. Make sure that you're keeping an eye out on the website for all the great content that we'll have for you on that day, including uh, where we'll go in-depth on the class. Uh, we'll also have a podcast that'll be going up that night as well for you guys with me and Zach Hubbard. So a bunch of great stuff. Uh, I am also you know, thinking about and potentially planning on being able to get Zach, we'll see how the schedules line up, but getting Zach on to talk a little bit about uh, you know, some of the questions heading into the day, uh, some of those guys that uh, we've talked about here um, over the past couple of weeks, and then, of course, Daylon Everett, who now hits uh, the uncommitted group again as of today. So keep an eye out for that. We'll, we'll probably go ahead and preview signing day for you guys as well to get you ready uh, for what is going to be an extremely exciting Week for Carolina football on the recruiting trail. Uh, this is going to be Carolina's greatest recruiting class that they have signed since the modern recruiting era, and it could get better before the end. So, uh, we will have you covered Heel Tough Blog website. Uh, also, on there, make sure you check out the podcast. There's a uh, tab at the top of the screen for the Heel Tough Blog, as well as the Four Corners podcast. You can also check out both of those podcasts wherever you check out your podcast whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, all those great spots. Make sure you check it out. And then uh, also make sure that you guys... Keep an eye out uh, on the Facebook page. All that great stuff that we just talked about will be on there. But then we will also be having uh, video editions of the podcast that will be going up. We'll have a video preview for the bowl game against South Carolina. We'll probably also do uh, the recap of the game against South Carolina and the final grades uh, for the season on there before we will then – Uh, pretty much turn to off-season mode where we will be pretty much audio the entire way. There may be a couple of ones that we'll do on camera, but for the most part, it's going to be ones uh, that we're going to do audio-wise. It's just going to work out a little bit better, more strategic, and we're going to be doing so many basketball podcasts and everything like that that it'll just be easier for us to do it that way. But still check all that great stuff out. We'll have the waveform editions up there for you guys as well, so that's another way that you can listen uh, to all of that great content, it'll be up there at Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. Over on the Twitter side of things, at HeelToughBlog Blog is the official page. And then for my uh, personal social media page, it's at HTV Anthony. Josh's personal social so social media page at HTV Josh. And then, of course, you want to make sure that you're following Zach Hubbard. He has been all over Twitter today with the announcement that Everett is back on the board. Uh, and some of the other talks that have been going on for Tar Heel recruits. He's been talking about that all on his social media page throughout the week. At HackZubbard2 on Twitter. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank David Hale for stopping by with us. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!